The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. Well, back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM as we continue into today's show. And we've got a couple of special guests that are joining us. Um, Rome from Armadale Church, and uh, he's a pastor up there. And uh, Kaya, who I uh, keep trying to pronounce his name wrong, but uh, Kaya is his leading elder up there. So, yes, we're in John chapter 17. Uh, We're going to be looking at verses uh, 20 through to 26, or pretty much to the end of the chapter. And, of course, this is the 20 million movement. So join us here as 20 million other people around the world all study the same chapter of the Bible together. Mm. And uh, if you want to get a copy of the study guide, because we all follow along with the study guide, it's a really cool study guide. It's like a little sort of booklet kind of a thing, and each day has one page that you can uh, just read. There's a couple of paragraphs and some Bible verses, and you can follow along and uh, and do the study along with 20 million other people around the world who are using the same study guide. And uh, you can get a copy. It's super easy to do so. You can just look it up online, or you can go to Better Books and Food or your local uh, bookshop and uh, get a copy there. So you can give us a call if you're not sure, one 800 Faith FM, we can point you in the right direction. And Mon? Yes. I think we should offer more cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> our that phone has really been quick. running hot. That went really, really quick. Yeah, we had, I think Shell, our producer, has said we had seven phone calls this morning already. Uh, people trying to snap up this cookbook. And I'm, I've been looking for the pages and I'm like, do you know what? You don't want, you don't want to next give away time, now, do Next you? time I'm going to be like, whoever gets this, you can only have it if you make me one of these. <laughs> Page 78 <Yeah. laughs> of some pumpkin soup, 73. Yeah, All anyway. right, so Helen, if you're listening in, page 78, mark that down. <laughs> We're expecting something. No, no, some no, no, no. I have to read the rest of the cookbook. Oh, there might be something oh, oh, oh. more delicious than page 78. <laughs> I haven't gotten to page 100 yet. See, tofu lasagna. How good does that tofu lasagna look? <laughs> Every page looks great. I know, page 109. Oh, Helen. <laughs> looks like it looks like there's got good uh, bodybuilding. Um, yeah. It, it does, it do does. Do you guys have to like, you know, follow a special diet for your, yes, for your bodybuilding? Do. Yeah, oh. yeah, yes, we do. We have to stick to a strict one, so. Yeah. I really great. want to learn how to do um, what do you call those things where you lift your body weight with your arm? like a chin up chin up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you reckon I I could be able to, I can't do anything right now but do you reckon I could be able to do a chin up by Christmas? Yes, if you're yeah? committed, yeah, okay, yeah definitely. Cool. I think no one should do weights until they they're able to lift their own body weight. Oh, oh there yeah. you go. That's interesting observation. Yeah. yeah, I did just join the gym. Like literally just joined the gym last week. Got a gym membership, so yeah. Start off in the beginning, just before you get into your workout. Just uh-huh. try your body weight. Yeah. So off air, I'm gonna have to give you. You're gonna have to give me some tips sure. on how to like, because like, I can't. What <laughs> <laughs> no, we can have some tips on air. Why not? Okay, so help help mine out. I because mean, I, if, you, if I grab the bar and try and pull myself, like nothing happens. So what do I just keep doing that over and over again? Well, they've got they've got these machines, right? That they kind of help you lift your body weight. So you start oh. off just by if you have a partner, will be even better. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. that person will be behind you, spotting you as you because because your strength will gradually grow. So mm-hmm. you just got to be consistent and 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 do it every 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 day, what five times a five times a week, and uh-huh. before you know it uh, i had a guy that couldn't even do one push-up oh wow could do one push-up mm-hmm. after like three months he did his first his first push-up today he's doing like 20 push-ups in the mornings i don't know why i'm standing so shocked by that because i don't think i could do a single push-up either <laughs> <laughs> you'd be I'm able sure, to do it i'm sure i can do those lady push-ups <laughs> uh, on your knees and your hands right 
Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I remember when we were teenagers and we had to, um, we were like a little gym course thing as part, part of Pathfinders. Right. And like we had to do the, the sit-ups where you line your back and you do sit-ups. And because we had one teacher running around the whole gym trying to like control the kids, I'd like get down on the mat and pretend I was doing push-ups and would literally take a nap. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to have to adopt that one when I train well. Yeah, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just assume the position and then just and sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're off track. <laughs> we are off track. But hey, good health is always something we like to promote here on Faith FM. And uh, but let's get into our Bible study, which is um, about good spiritual health. There yes, you go. unity. Got a, got a health, health. Unity, which is something that you guys know about with your with your Armadale Church there. Yeah, these yeah. guys, these, these yeah. guys are the practical yeah. ex- experts on it. So uh, just to kick us off, um, Kaya, I wonder whether you could read for us there. Uh, Rev- uh, sorry, what am I saying, John? John chapter 17 and uh, four, verse, verse 20, please. John 17 and verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Okay, thank you very much. So what we've found as we've worked our way through the prayer of Jesus, which is a, really a prayer for unity here in the Gospel of John, is that Jesus begins by praying for himself. Which, you know, initially it's like, why would Jesus need to pray for himself? He is God. But we notice that Jesus, when he lived here on this earth, he lived his life as a human being like us. Um, and uh, he didn't, um, he didn't uh, you know, draw on, on, on any form of power that is unavailable to us. And so right. as a human being, he needed, to, um, he needed to, tap, to tap into that power source of God as well. Right. Um, and, so, um, and so that's what we find. The second thing that we find is that he is praying for his disciples. This is the foundation for his church. These are the guys who are going to you know, lead his church into the future. And uh, as a result of that, he spends you know quite a bit of time praying for them and praying that they'll be united. And then he prays for all of us here sitting in the studio. It's a pretty good, awesome thought in that moment. Yeah, amen. It is. It is. It really is. And it's actually a really good example, I suppose, for our leadership. You know, pray for yourselves and then pray for your people, for your flock. And can you imagine? You know, I sort of I sort of look at it from a human perspective, and you, you sort of think of the disciples maybe listening to this prayer. And as Jesus prays for all those who will believe as a result of what they say, do you think they had any idea of how many people would believe? You know, that's, that's right. Yeah, and I how, think their how, minds how would have been blown if they could look into the future and get like a little glimpse. Yes, yeah, a global movement. You know, you, you, we've got people here from New Zealand, we've got people here from Africa, we've got people here from Germany, we've got people here from Australia. That's right. Um, and and this is and this is just our studio. There's just four people in one studio. That's right. From right around the world who are believing in Jesus Christ because of what those disciples said. It's um, it's a mind-blowing thought. Uh, Mon, verse 21 for us, please. 1721, we are in chapter 17, right? Mm-hmm. We are yeah. in chapter 17. 1721 says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that world, the world will believe you sent me. Okay, so this helps us to understand oneness. Yes. And we've talked about this a little bit already. Uh, we serve one God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We are monotheists, right. very, very staunch monotheists. Right. But in serving one God, we, uh, we we all agree that there are three persons of the Godhead, right? Right. Yes, and we discussed this yesterday in we our did. question of the day. We talked about anti-Trinitarianism. Yeah, yeah. somebody sent in a question on uh, what is anti-Trinitarianism, and we were, we were discussing that. And, uh, but, and, and what you've got is that some people really struggle with the concept of being a monotheist 
when the Godhead is made up of three people. Sure. Uh, because, you know, you look at our studio right here, we have four people. There is not one person here in the studio. There are four people here in the studio. But what Jesus is illustrating is that we can be one. Yes. The four of us here can be one. We can be united together in Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the... And this is really the unity that, that, that God is calling for in this passage, um, is this is a unity that is modeled by the Godhead. Mm. It's a, that's a really deep mm, thought. That is, yeah. You know, that we bring that into our churches, that, you know, we, we look at the Godhead as an example of how we should be united um, as Christians and as churches. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty heavy thought because, you know, you think of... Um, you think of you know that perfect unity that they have, so they are actually seen as one. And then we ask ourselves the question: Okay, someone looks at uh, Maitland Church or or um, Armadale Church. Do they see that church as one? <laughs> do they do they see it as you know in the same in the same way that they see right. the Godhead? Um, when when people look at our you know our marriage relationships and our family relationships, the Bible says a you know man shall leave his father and his mother and and stick to his wife and they shall become one. Right. And 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 does the world see us as one? You know the challenge, of course, is that we live in an imperfect world where uh, the imperfections of this world you know they tend to um, you know our imperfections let us down. And so we are never going to achieve the oneness that the Godhead has on this world. But that's the oneness that Jesus Christ is praying for right here Absolutely. in this passage. It's, um, it's a remarkably powerful thought when you think about it. Uh, because when you think about, you know, uh, as it says here, um, as you are in me and I in you, um, Jesus is very specific. This is the Godhead that he is speaking about, and this is um, the, the, the unity that he desires us to have. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, Kyra, I might just jump back across to you real quick, and uh, if you could read for us verse 22, please. Chapter 17 and verse 22, which is going to work our way sort of, you know, verse by verse down through this passage. Verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. Okay, thank you for sharing that. I want you to think about this for a moment. When we think about glory, the first thing that comes to our mind is brightness, right? Right. Okay, so so if the first thing that is coming to our mind is brightness, um, uh, Kaya, let me, let me just ask you this question. When Jesus is praying this prayer, is he shining and glowing and bright? I, I would think so. Okay. Yeah, right. because uh, yeah, he has his, uh, his glory. He so, has his glory? Yes. Let me, let me, let me toss this thought, thought out then. We do have an instance in the Bible where Jesus is shining and bright, mm-hmm. and that's the mountain of transfiguration where he was yes. transformed. Yes. This is actually a different circumstance here. This is just before the crucifixion. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the disciples are seeing him sweating great drops of blood, and rather than being shining and bright, being in a you know a rather uh, desperate situation. 
And so that what what that brings out to me is that there's a contrast here in this verse because Jesus is talking about his glory at a time when he's looking pretty stressed out. Yeah, nothing looks glorious at all. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just hearing I'm yeah, just tossing this yeah, thought out yeah, here. Yeah, it's something yeah. for us to think about. Now, Rome, let me fl- come across to you real quick. Um, if Jesus is talking about his glory, uh, and Mon, jump in on this too if you've got some thoughts on it. Um, what what is the most glorif the the, the, the 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 most glorified thing about Jesus? Is it his brightness or his character? It's a really good thought there, Lyle. I'm thinking of Exodus chapter 33 when Moses himself said, show me your glory. Uh-huh. And you'd think that God would come and show some sort of majestic light or something like that. To, uh, but what happens is he's, he, he ends up revealing his character. Yeah. Which he he is, goes which past is, and proclaims his character. That's right. And it's like, yeah, yeah. As you're, as you're speaking about that, I'm thinking Christ came to reveal, reveal to us the Father, be our, be our example and that sacrifice. And so it's just starting to connect as you're as you're talking and and speaking about how you know the Christ revealing His glory to us and that would have just been um, preparing Himself just for that that moment the the, the most glorious moment the yeah, cross absolutely mm-hmm. and, and it's one of those things that you know as human beings we like bright things yeah we like shiny things <laughs> yeah you know uh, women like bling um, <laughs> guys like shiny, shiny yeah. Yeah. Mon, Mon doesn't wear bling but. Um, I you think know, men are more prone to shiny cars than women. Are <laughs> well, I was about to mention. I like shiny cars. I do. And the crane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, of, course, of course, all these shiny things—the one thing about them is that it's attraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh-huh. absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, we, but we do as, as, as human beings. We, we like shiny things. We're and, like moths. Yep, and it's, it's 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 very. I think it's I think it's the bogan coming out in me that um, <laughs> my favourite colour is chrome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and so we read a passage like this. The first thing that goes to our mind is the glory of Jesus Christ. We get images of Jesus in Revelation chapter one, right. where he is powerful, he is majestic and amazing. But the most, the greatest thing about his glory is his character. Uh-huh. Okay, so watch this. If we if we look at that at this verse now in that context, and take out the word glory and put in the word character, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Wow! Now that's interesting wow. because we don't have an example of the disciples being bright and shiny. Moses, yes, once, but not the disciples. We don't have that example, and so. What glory was it that Jesus gave to them? Was it bright and shiny, or was it character? Wow. Yeah, you can definitely see the, the the character of Jesus coming through in the disciples, and uh, and and then it goes on and it says, and that they may be one, even as we are one. That unity that Jesus wants amongst his disciples is created. When Jesus' character is within wow. his disciples. Wow. Amen. It's not so much when we all look bright and shiny. Now, the time will come when we'll all look bright and shiny. So if you're worried about not looking bright and shiny this morning, <laughs> and you're kind of disappointed about that, <laughs> that day will arrive. Kaya, did you have something that you wanted to yes, say? Yes, I, I was going to say, interestingly, when you look at verses 21, mm-hmm. firstly, it talks about the fact that that they may be in our... Okay, and... It says, verse 21, I pray that they will be 
they will be one just as you and I are one as you are in in me father and I I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me mm. so you can almost see that the character in fact this brightness comes as a result of first believing mm-hmm. in Christ when we believe that Christ came and was sent uh, to save us and then this is how this is just one step in which we go towards that glory yeah that absolutely yeah fantastic and uh, um, yeah and, and as it says there that the world may believe you kind of think I kind of goes through my mind if all Christians were bright and shiny the world would just believe but God did not give us that God is not interested in playing party tricks God God wanted to give us something much more real much more substantial and character is so much more real and so much more substantial than just being bright and shiny and that's the gift that 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 God has given to us just think Lyle we um Last week we did a we were working on a series on Philippians, and we looked up a hundred um, greatest minds. Okay, Jesus, that's, that's a that's a big chunk. A hundred greatest minds. A hundred greatest minds, and uh, Jesus was down at number sixteen. Okay. Interestingly enough, a hundred most influential people, Jesus was at number one. Mm. And I can't help but think that he becomes the most influential person in history. Because even the skeptics, like William Leckie, for example, actually see Jesus as a good person. Even his enemies knew no bad, no no bad in him because of his character, you know. And so I'm, I'm, it's 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 you know, so many people trying to be intellectual, trying to you know, and all these great things. They're wonderful things, but the person of Jesus Christ makes him the most influential person in the world. And I'm looking at this, and it says that the world may know that you sent me. Is something about that character of Christ. So we can never aspire to be number one on the world's most influential list. <laughs> but we can aspire to be number two. <laughs> true, true. And the way to do that, obviously, is to copy the guy who's number one. Absolutely. Which is a matter of character, not a matter of brains. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's deep. That is so interesting. <laughs> Because you don't, you don't need to be a brainiac. Like, you know, how many of us, you know, I don't have that opportunity to be a brainiac. So, but I can, like, I can mold my we character. We won't talk about yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about guys like Plato that was on there, guys like Stephen mm-hmm. Hawking, mm-hmm. guys like Einstein, and, and all of a sudden the most influential person. <laughs> Is not the most brilliant mind. Exactly. But yeah. the greatest character. Greatest yeah. character. Yeah. That's Which is all a, something we can attain to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's never too late. Mm. It's never too late to change your character. Mm. Yeah, I've always, I've always been a big proponent of um, plagiarism. <laughs> find something good, copy it. You know, you find find a great character, just copy it. You know, you find, you found one right here. That's true. We do that with with weightlifting. We get a picture of a guy that we that, that, that we want to emulate. We we get a picture of a guy that we want to look like. We put them up on the mirror. This is what bodybuilders do, powerlifters do. They just they look at it and eye it up and and what do they eat? What what what, what do they drink? How many times a day do they train? And it's it's, it's all of these the components that that they that, that, you know guys are just chasing after you know who, who following after a person that they want to that they want to emulate. Yeah. That's 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 fantastic. All right, that's cool. And of course, you know who could who could uh, who could you pick 
as somebody that you want to emulate more mm. than the most influential person who has ever lived. Yes. Amen. And why should we ever, you know, as a, as a human being, why should we ever settle for second best? That's right. You know, setting, settling, settling for second best is just aiming for mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Who, who wants to aim for mediocrity? There's no point in aiming for medioc- mediocrity. If you want to be influential in this world, aim for the most influential person who ever lived. Copy his life, problem solved. <laughs> agree There's 100%. your formula. All right, where are we up to? Mon, you want to read a verse for us? Uh, must be up to verse 23. 23. Do you know what? I think we should skip this verse and go to a song. <laughs> Maybe we should, because yeah, so we're kind of out of time, aren't we? I'm gonna- glad somebody was watching the clock. <laughs> do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Who conquered the 
Back with Encounter, Encounter with God, we have uh, Rome and Kaya joining us here in the studio. They've come all the way down from Armadale. Uh, yeah. How far is Armadale? Because like I said to you before, every time someone says Armadale, I think of the Armadale back in my hometown in Western Australia. Yeah, not that one. Yeah, not F- that. From here, four and a half hours. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Did you drive that today? No, we did that yesterday. Say. It would have been an early, early morning. <laughs> 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 yeah, when we said breakfast show, they were <laughs> going for an early one. Thank no. you for coming down. We appreciate no, that. Thank you for having us. Now, uh, let me see. Where were we up to? What were we talking about? Oh, hey, hey, guess what? Guess what? Whoa, whoa, guess whoa, 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 whoa. We have an invitation. Oh, we do? Yes, to lunch. Oh, I, I, any invitation to lunch is a good invitation. <laughs> Helen, who won the cookbook? Oh, has yes. Has called back with an invitation for lunch. How yes, good is that? Yes, Helen, I love you. <laughs> Helen, you mean us and all our listeners, right? <laughs> How about your guests? <laughs> Four hour drive. <laughs> oh, bless you. We need to give away more cookbooks. We, we do indeed. Oh, I, can, I can see a bit of a strategy coming up here. I can see a, a pile of cookbooks uh, building oh, up in the prize box over there. Uh-huh. Thank you, Helen. That is very kind. We appreciate yeah. you. We love our listeners. They're just the best. But they really we are. Listeners. They re- we really are. We- we're so blessed with having just the best listeners on the planet. Anyway, verse 23 is what you want me to read out, right? Uh, chapter uh, 17. Actually, I'm going to change my mind. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Give us John 13.35. John 13.35. And then we'll come back to that other verse. Turning back. 13 and 35 says... Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay, this is a really simple verse, isn't it? But it really goes with what we've been talking about. Um, you know, and, and, and the, the older version of that is probably one that is um, even quite famous, where it says, uh, "By this will all know, all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love love one for another." Mm-hmm. John emphasizes the concept of love probably more than some of the other true. Uh, gospel writers, true. and uh, really gives a great balance to the to the gospel story by doing so um and you know we were talking about how that you know god wants to share his glory with us so that the world will see our glory and we talked about how glory and character go together and this is where we see it all coming together Mm, mm. the character of god is love god is love it's as simple as that we mentioned yesterday that you know any teaching you come across that does not teach that god is love you already know you, you don't ever have to dig into your bible to find out you know is this is this false doctrine or true doctrine it's false 
That's if, right. it, if it teaches that God is not love, it right. is false doctrine, right. plain and simple. That's right. Um, and then all you need to do is go looking through your Bible to find out all the verses that show that it is false. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah, because you already know the answer to that one. All right, now, Mon, you were going to read for us verse 23, so you were keen for that one. I will let you read it. Oh, too kind. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Okay, let's think about this for a moment. Rome, how much love is there between the Father and the Son? Immense. Immeasurable. It's immeasurable, isn't it? It's immeasurable. It's infinite. You, you can't even begin to quantify that in any way, shape, or form, can That's you? That's exactly right, yeah. This is the Godhead. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Godhead that is eternal. Yes. Has always been there, will always been there. This is the Godhead that has created everything that is in existence. This is the Godhead that created us because this is the Godhead that wanted to have a relationship with us for eternity. That's the purpose for our existence. That's right. And so when you think about the love that exists in the Godhead, what it says here in verse 23, you know, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfect in one. The world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you, sorry, and, and have loved them as you have loved me. When you think about that for a moment, the love that God has for you. Mm-hmm is the same as the love that the Father has for the Son, the Son has for the Father, the Holy Spirit has for the Father and the Son, as the Godhead has for each other. In other words, this is love that is just truly, amazingly immeasurable, and this is the love that motivated the Godhead to do something about the problem here. This is why Jesus came to this earth. This is why Jesus died. This is why Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for us. But reading on from there, it gets even more amazing and more astounding in uh, how Jesus directs us to have you know this unity, this oneness that he has. He goes on in verse 23 and he says, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfect in one and the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. Am. Now that's an interesting statement. We, we we read that statement there, and we initially think, you know, our mind immediately goes straight to heaven, where I am. Where is Jesus? In heaven. He wants us to be in heaven with Him. However, my question is this: Where was Jesus when He prayed this prayer? Jesus was on the way to the cross, and so why would Jesus say that we be with Him where He is? If Jesus is on his way to the cross, is it possible that Jesus was praying that we join him in going to the cross? Well, the answer to that question is found over in Revelation, and we'll flick over there very quickly. And uh, we've got a fair bit to cover here, so I'm just going to move through it fairly rapidly now. Revelation chapter, let me see here, 14. And it says in Revelation 14 and verse 4, these are those which were not, which were defiled with women for they are virgins. And of course here the Bible is not talking about virgins in the sense that we talk about virgins, else I think we'd all be in trouble. Uh, the Bible is talking about, you know, a, a woman in the symbol of a church, they're not defiled with the defiling women, false doctrine, false churches, false teachings, etc. It goes on. These are those which follow the Lamb 
wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And so in this passage right here, we find that here we have the followers of Jesus are prepared to follow him as the Lamb. And when Jesus was the Lamb of God, where was he going? Where are we called to follow him as the Lamb? He was the Lamb of God on Calvary. Therefore, we are called to follow him to Calvary. Well, what does that mean? Revelation 12, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, this is the, this is the least you can do when you understand just how good God is. And, you know, um, the living sacrifice right there. What sacrifice is that? That is the sacrifice of ourself. Jesus is praying, yes, that we join him at the cross. We follow him at the cross. We go to where he is. Where is he? He is at the cross. Why? Because it's at the cross that we find grace. It's at the cross we find forgiveness. It's at the cross that we find cleansing. And it's at the cross we experience dying with Jesus to self and gaining that true victory of what it means to be one with Jesus Christ, uh, one with God, perfectly united together there. This is an incredible passage that just, you know, opens new understandings of the depths of God's love, helps us to understand more than ever before just what a blessing it is to be able to serve such an incredible God who loves us just so much. We often, there are so many things that we, we actually miss when we just have a surface reading of this particular chapter of the Gospel of John right here, the prayer of Jesus that he prays um, for his disciples and for us and for you as a listener today uh, just before he uh, heads to the cross, and the challenge for us is to follow Jesus. The call on our hearts today, the call on your heart, will you make the decision? Will you follow Jesus to the cross? Will you go there and stand at the foot of the cross and receive the grace that he makes available to you, the forgiveness, the cleansing? And will you die with Jesus today? Die to self and live for Jesus with your whole heart. We'll be right back after this break.
darkness is as light to you, my Lord. So light the way you lead me home to that place where every tear is wiped away. Jesus, you will never fail. Jesus, you will never fail. We to the cross like cling, letting go of all earthly things. I'm clinging to the cross. Mercy's found a way for me. Hope is here as I am free. Jesus, you are. Forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. Lyle. Yes. It's time for the question. Question of the day. day. Okay. You ready? Kind of. I hope so. What are the grounds for biblical divorce? What are the biblical grounds for divorce? Okay, this is a really important question, particularly in the context of what we were talking about yesterday, where we were talking about domestic abuse. And we talked about it in, you know, in, in a relationship where, you know, the spouse hits somebody else, uh, hits their, hits their partner, then, um, I would say that's a dangerous situation to be in. This is somebody you do not want to be with. And that there are particularly the good thing here in Australia is that you have options. You need to find those options. You need to get out of that relationship. Because you can leave your husband, but not necessarily divorce. Okay. So there are two, two different, well, actually, there's three different issues here. There is separation. There is divorce and there is remarriage. Okay, so let's let's talk about them one at a time. Separation is when you when the two of you simply separate and you live separately. Divorce is where you divide your possessions, so that's a legal process. Remarriage is when you decide to get married again. These are three different separate uh, issues that we are dealing with here that are often all confused together. Now, the Bible is very clear about separation. Um, there is nothing. There is nothing wrong with separation. Um, obviously, this is something that in a relationship you want to try and avoid if at all possible. But if there is abuse taking place, you need to get out. You need to get out today. It's that simple. Give us a call here on 1-800-324-843. If you would like some phone numbers, you can call to help you facilitate that because it can be dangerous. Lives have been lost because people have chosen to stay in an abusive relationship because they think that God wants them to stay in a dangerous place. God does not want you to be in a dangerous place. Having said that, the Bible is clear that God hates divorce. Divorce tears people apart. What you're going to go through is going to be something that is truly horrific. I have never seen a divorce that has been anything less than just a stand-up, bloodthirsty fight backwards and forwards. It doesn't necessarily start out that way, but it seems to always end that way. And so if you're going to go down that path, you need to recognize that there's there's going to be some difficult times ahead of you, but that you can get past that if that is necessary. As Christians, we should always work towards solving the issue. If If somebody is not hitting you, if you are not physically in danger, you have made a commitment to this person and uh, and, and, and you should, if possible, try and work this out so that your first stop is going to God and going to counseling. A Christian counselor is where you need to go. That's not the last place you go. So often we make it the last place we go. And as we mentioned yesterday, uh, Christians typically, uh, by the time they go to counseling, have reached the point where it's all over and, and, and it's too late. So we need to be aware of that from a, a, a Christian perspective. Now, the Bible does speak about um, divorce. Um, to the point where a person can, because uh, remarriage, of course, is, a, is, a, is an important issue. So if we go to uh, Matthew chapter 5, hmm, uh, where are we looking? Whoever, but I say to you that whoever, oh, <coughs> verse 32, I say to you that whoever shall put away his wife or divorce his wife, uh, except for sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever will be married to her commits Adultery. The key word here is the word accept. When Jesus uses the word accept, he places an exception into this particular 
teaching. And this is where some churches come unstuck. And we mentioned yesterday it's it's illegal to have a divorce in the Vatican. When Jesus gives an, an exception, there is an exception here. And, of course, the exception is um, immorality. Paul speaks about this issue in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 and verse 15. He says, But the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. And so there are a couple of uh, instances here where the Bible talks about where separation does take place. And if you give your life to God, the Bible says, and, and, and they choose to leave, don't force them to stay. You know, And we should never try and force somebody into a relationship. You cannot force somebody to love somebody else. In conclusion, divorce should be avoided at all costs. At the same time, you should never stay in a dangerous relationship and separation is a, uh, a biblical solution. Remarriage is another issue altogether again. If you've got more questions, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. A follower of the Lamb And shall I fear to own his cause Or blush to speak his name Must I be carried to the skies On flowery beds of ease While others fought to win the prize And sail through bloody seas Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil and endure the pain. A follower of the Lamb And shall I fear to own his cause Or blush to speak his name The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. What's our question of the day there, Lawson? Our question of the day is, this is a pretty heavy one. It's, can mentally disabled people be saved? Yes. End the show. Oh, we've got to fill up the next three minutes, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was kind of wondering, what kind of person actually asks a question like this? You know, um, let me think about this. Can uh, physically disabled people be saved? If I am born without a leg, can I be saved? Of course I can be saved. Yeah. Uh, can mentally ill people be saved? Of course mentally ill people can be saved. There are a number of people in the Bible who will be saved who were severely mentally ill. Uh, let me think. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes to mind. He was a psychopath. Uh, Manasseh comes to mind. He was also a psychopath. Uh, Thomas 
was just terribly depressed. I mean, mm. that guy suffered from terrible depression. And look what he did for God. You know, we could go on and on and on down through the list. And so really what we're looking at here is the issue of accountability. Mm. When does a person reach the age of accountability where they are responsible for between them and them and God for their salvation? And the Bible doesn't give a definition as to when a person reaches that age. Mm. Now, with a mentally ill person, you know, they will talk about, you know, this person has the mental capacity of a three-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 14-year-old or whatever it might be, you know, they're... they're, uh, they're um, mental development has been arrested at some particular point in that whole process, Mm. even still, their mental capacity, while it might be the mental capacity of a three-year-old, is very different from a three-year-old. But let me ask you this question. Can your three-year-old love Jesus? Yeah. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, unless you are as little children, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Oof. There you go. So there you go. You need to be. You need to have a a, a mental uh, be born with a mental disability to get into heaven, so that you still have the the, the mental Ooh. capability of a three year old. That's a big step. No, come that is on, a big come step. On, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that that simple faith, that childlike faith, is a faith that God can uh, mm. that can He can use and He can bless and He can honor and these people will be saved. Um, let me go to Psalms chapter eighty seven. Psalms 87. This is a very revealing passage right here. Psalms 87. And we're going to look in verse 6. 87 verse 6. The Bible says... You know what? I wrote it down wrong. I think I've got it on my computer. Let me see if I've got it on my computer. The Lord shall count when he writes up the people. In other words, he's writing up the book of life. Mm-hmm. That this man was born here. In other words, when God judges people, one of the key things that God does is he takes into account the circumstances under which they were born. In other words, mm. the country that they were born in or the mental capacity that they were born with. Mm-hmm. God is not in the business of you know, sitting up in heaven like, who can I keep out of heaven? Oh, you know, that person doesn't have the mental capacity to accept me as their savior. So they're gone. Mm. You know, out they go. Phew, that's a few less there. No, God is not like that. God, Jesus gave his life for our salvation. Yeah. He's trying to save as many people as he possibly can. And he is working as hard as he can to get absolutely every single last person into heaven. And mentally handicapped people are going to be amongst that group of people who are saved. I am dwelling on a mountain where the gold wondrous beauty far exceeds my fondest dreams is not this the land of Beulah blessed blessed land of light where the flowers bloom forever and the sun is always bright
for life's treasures, nor adorning rich and gay. For I've found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away. For I've found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This has been the Best Ofs Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon and other associated guests. And as we come to the end of the show, I just want to encourage you all, remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Bought some jeans at Target and ripped apart the pocket on Sunday. Hallelujah. Pay slip on the carpet and burnt it in the market on Monday. Hallelujah. It's not my business, Jesus. I'm sure you got your reasons, so just say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Grandpa's got lymphoma and fell into a coma on Tuesday. Hallelujah. Couldn't pay the water bill and haven't had a shower since Wednesday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While merging on the freeway, I hit a Ford Focus on Thursday. Hallelujah. Without a car, I couldn't make appointments on Friday. Hallelujah. I lost my job. Hallelujah. It's not my business, Jesus. I'm sure you got your reasons, so just say hallelujah. I came to church a beggar and found I have a savior, so just say hallelujah. I came to church a beggar and found I have a savior, so just say hallelujah. Uh-uh.